today on Ag News Daily. So the, the old technique part of this really comes in from, from wanting to be cowboys, wanting to use horses, dogs, taking good care of the cattle when we handle them. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell here, joined with Ashton Carr for today's Friday episode. Ashton, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm kind of excited. It's just the girls today. So let's see what kind of news we can share. Absolutely. I love that. And uh, you have definitely been stepping up to the plate. We've been throwing you into the mix pretty hard here over the last week. You handled today's interview. So I'm excited to get to that here in just a little bit. But let's talk some news first. I need to continue to try and paint as clear a picture as possible about the new CFAP, CFAP, if you will, programs, because I think we've been muddying up the waters. But to be honest, it's pretty unclear when you look at the news, you look at the headlines. There's a lot of questions about how this is going to work. So I did a little more digging today, found a little more information. I know, Ashton, you're talking or trying to reach out to folks at USDA to get an interview with someone there so we can add some more clarity to this. But I want to start here talking about payments for livestock producers because I don't think we've offered enough about this quite yet. So as we've mentioned, it's going to be a single payment for the first 80% of what the USDA is issuing out. So for livestock farmers, they're going to go on a payment rate per head, looking at your highest inventory number of livestock between Jan, excuse me, let me back that up. They're going to be using the sum of your numbers of livestock sold between January 15th and April 15th. Then they're going to multiply that payment rate by head and the highest inventory number of livestock between April 16th and May 14th and multiply that payment rate per head for the second rate, the second 20%, if you will. So your total sales of eligible livestock by species, again, between January 15th to April 15th. And the um, payment rates for those vary by head. But as part of the payment rate one, there it's about $102 for feeder cattle, which are less than 600 pounds. Feeder cattle more than 600 pounds, you get $139 per head. Uh, continuing on here, looking at hogs, $28 for hogs less than 120 pounds and $18 for hogs more than 120 pounds. The part I find confusing, and I think this is where hopefully we'll be able to have Undersecretary Northey, maybe Secretary Purdue, we'll be able to get him on, although I doubt that. Uh, but there's two different payment rates. So there's the CARES Act Part 1 payment rate, and then there's the CCC Part 2 payment rate. So the way I'm reading that is 80% of the funds are coming from the CARES Act, 20% of the funds are coming from the CCC. Like I said, I don't know if this is positively correct or not, but that's how I kind of read that. Yeah, Delaney, it can get a little bit confusing. I've read myself a couple of different things about the CFAP, and I, I can't even wrap my brain around it. They're going to need a pretty big calculator. Yeah, absolutely. So one other thing I want to add here quickly before we move on, because I know this is confusing. It's, I'm getting confused even just talking about it right now. But um, for those of you who are 
row crop farmers and are eligible to receive some funding. Again, that sign up begins May 26th, just after we come back from Memorial Day weekend. And there's quite a few forms to fill out. And you do indeed have to fill out forms. I think I might be, maybe it was speculating before that if you signed up for MFP payments, you wouldn't have to fill out any new forms. I'm wrong. You absolutely have quite a bit of forms, quite a few forms to fill out. So contact your FSA office or farmers.gov slash CFAP. All of the forms that you need to fill out can be found there as well. But there's uh, probably about seven or eight different forms you've got to fill out. Yeah, that's a lot, Delaney. And so um, I kind of want to move on really quickly and talk about consumer buying um, during COVID-19. This really didn't come as a surprise to me when I read this headline, but consumers are changing their buying habits um, in the grocery store here lately. There was a increase in consumer packaged goods in March alone. $18.8 billion was spent on consumer packaged goods, and that's directly correlated to coronavirus buying. And even on Twitter, they saw a 60% increase from March 9th to March 22nd on cooking-related tweets. Now, my stepmom back home, she hardly ever lets us eat out. So we cook at home all the time, but it really didn't surprise me that consumers, I mean, they were basically forced to, to eat at home. And so I just thought that this headline was a little bit funny um, in these times and how consumers are kind of altering their buying options during coronavirus. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those numbers correlate pretty well with what I've heard from, you know, food scientists and people who watch this type of thing is that the prepackaged foods. So, I'm I'm thinking from a Midwest perspective. I know Hy-Vee is not a grocery store chain. You're familiar with Ashton, but there are just, you know, like Chinese or pizzas, things that you can just pick up and grab and take home and make or things that are already pre-made for you. I know that those have skyrocketed. They were already big because of the millennial age group. And I think that continues to grow even more now because of COVID-19. Oh, definitely. Over here in Lubbock, we have Market Street and United, and I guess they might be com pretty comparable to uh, your grocery store up there, but they have prepackaged goods. And being so young and a millennial myself, I uh, was definitely attracted to those every time I went into the grocery store. But I went in the other day and they're pretty low, so didn't really surprise me much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. But I think another reason that we are seeing a lot of prepackaged foods take off is because we're having shortages at the meat counter. We were having shortages. To be honest, I haven't bought meat at the store in quite some time. We usually get a pig or a cow butchered and eat the meat from there. But we're continuing to watch the meatpacking industry start to reopen after we saw the Defense Production Act issued. And the, the focus, as we've mentioned, really has turned to protective, personal protective equipment or PPE. And so a new document from food and agriculture regulators has supposedly or is supposedly going to make it easier for facilities to access PPE, which would allow some of the concern from workers to hopefully disband as the economy get back, gets back up and running, as we continue to see potential shortages at the grocery store. This document that was released just today on Friday um, essentially allows 
the FDA and the USDA to help order PPE equipment for these facilities, specifically food and agriculture sector, more specifically yet, meat packing facilities. But I believe all of agriculture is included as part of this document that is able to apply for personal protective equipment. So they are still releasing the information about how you apply for this PPE equipment. I don't have those, all of those details out quite yet, but uh, just note that the USDA and FDA are working very hard. It sounds like to get something put in place, try to figure out how to sort this whole mess out. Delaney, I'm glad you brought that up because I have an article too that I had pulled up about PPE equipment and how that can get to meatpacking plants and all that good stuff as they are trying to reopen and get meat back in the markets. You know, I, when this all first started happening, I saw a really empty meat shelves in the market, but I've seen stuff coming back. I was able to get chicken wings the other night. I was craving them. So <laughs> I went and bought some and made them myself. And so, um, looks pretty full when I went, but I was also wondering how they were going to get all the PPE equipment to those meat packers. And so I'm excited to see how they plan on doing that as that information comes out. Yes, certainly. So am I, but Ashton, do you have any other news that we should talk about today? Or I know we've got a little fun Friday bit here with Tim, the dairy farmer again today. Should we turn it over to him? I think so. I'm ready. Hey, Tim here again. Some of us are smarter at some things and not so smart at other things. I'm pretty good with plumbing projects, but I don't think I should be performing colonoscopies. Willie Nelson might be a great singer, but I don't think you want him making brownies for the church social. Which brings me to one of my favorite jokes told me by another dairy farmer in Idaho. A farmer was in a bad accident and needed a brain transplant. His wife went to the brain donor company to purchase a new brain for her husband. The salesman points to several jars on a shelf containing new brains. This here is the brains of a doctor, and they are $1,200 an ounce. Wow, she said. These are the brains of a lawyer, and they are $1,400 an ounce. Oh my, she said. Don't you have any brains for a farmer? He took her into the back room, showed her a jar. He said, these are farmer brains, and they are $8,000 an ounce. Goodness gracious, why are farmers' brains so expensive? Salesman replies, Lady, you know how many farmers it takes to get an ounce of brains? Hey, this is Tim the Dairy Farmer. To hear more about me, go to timthedairyfarmer.com. I hope y'all are safe and keep milking it. All right. Well, again, a big thank you there to Tim. I know his jokes maybe don't make everybody laugh, but they certainly make me laugh. I like cheesy jokes sometimes and farm jokes. They're always the best, I think. Tim, thank you again for sending those over. We're going to continue to bring you some funny Friday farm bits from Tim, the dairy farmer. But before we get to today's interview, which I mentioned at the top of the podcast, Ashton completed all by herself. Let's take a look at where the market's closed for today. Starting off here in the July corn contract finished up just a quarter of a cent to end at 3.18 even. The September down two cents today to close at 3.22 and three quarters. In the soybean pits, the July contract shed a penny and three quarters to end at 8.33 and a quarter. The November lost a cent on the day to end at 8.44 and a half. In the Chicago wheat pits, the July contract 
shed seven and a quarter cents, giving up some of what they gained earlier in the week to close at 508 and three quarters. The December down five and a half cents to close at 521 and a half. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets for today. Live cattle were down on the day with the June contract shedding a dollar ten to close at ninety-seven seventy. The August down ninety cents to close at ninety-seven thirty-two and a half. Feeder cattle were mixed on the day as the August contract closed down seven and a half cents to close at one twenty-eight eighty. The September contract up two and a half cents to close at one thirty fifteen. Lean hogs were not spared as the bloodbath continued here with the June contract shedding 57.5 cents to close at 58.77. The July down $1.27.5 to close at 55.90. And rounding out our markets with the Dairy Class 3 milk futures. The May contract shed two cents today to close at 12.18. The June down 59 cents to close at 17.04. Without further ado, Ashton, why don't you tell us who our interview was that you were able to snag for today? So today, after many technical difficulties, just kind of a part of the game I'm learning, I talked to Kyler Beard of PNW Beef, and he called me all the way from Washington State to talk about his sustainable beef operation. Hey guys, I'm sure you've probably heard me mention it before, but when I'm not hosting Ag News Daily, I'm helping out with the Iowa Farm Bureau's Spokesman Speaks podcast. If you're from Iowa, you're probably familiar with the Spokesman newspaper. It has the largest readership of any ag newspaper in the state of Iowa. The Spokesman Speaks podcast is an extension of that newspaper, reaching farmers and ag professionals like you on the go, with the stories that matter most. And it's not just for Iowans. This Spokesman Speaks just wrapped up a three-part series on managing farm stress in the midst of COVID-19, featuring Dr. Larry Trannell, a pastoral psychologist and extension dairy specialist who has spent more than 30 years working with farm families. If you tune in, you're going to hear great tips that could help all of us right now, including... How to identify and manage unhealthy stress in our lives. How to continue making effective business decisions and communicate well despite stress. And how to manage stress as a family. You can find and subscribe to the Spokesman Speaks podcast in your favorite podcast app or go to iowafarmbureau.com slash podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here with Kyler Beard from PNW Beef. He's joining me all the way from Washington State. Kyler, why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell us more about PNW Beef? Well, I, I'm Kyler Beard from Ellensburg. Um, really, PNW Beef started out just as a, a local custom grazing business, and I grew up always wanting to be a cowboy, and it's kind of involved into the point now where we're, we're trying to provide a local product for, um, our community and, and using some sustainable byproducts and, and bringing in other local ranchers, other people's property. Um, so it really is kind of a community effort in, in providing beef to the Kittitas County. So you mentioned that you try to use sustainable things. And so what was the idea of trying to create a more sustainable operation and using those products rather than a more traditional take on raising beef? 
um, to be completely honest, what I was trying to find um, really was a cheap feed source. And so most feed yards, I'm sure as you guys know, always end up next to the feed source. And where where we are, we're about an hour and a half away from Seattle. And there's a lot of Timothy hay production, but there's not a lot of cattle feed produced in our little area anymore. So I actually uh, reached out to Iron Horse Brewery, which has been growing like crazy. They started in this little pub that they called the Incubator and had a small following. And now it's grown into where I'm not not positive on this, but I want to say they're like the fifth largest privately owned uh, brewery in Washington state. And I had no idea when I went to talk to them, but what I was looking for was just a a local feed source so I could background cattle in the off season and not have to pay an arm and a leg to get feed hauled in. Um, and then, of course, sustainable is one of the words that keywords that everybody's throwing around right now. So then we started started kind of moving through everything, and then realized everything that we were feeding was a byproduct, and kind of kind of rolled with it from there. But I've I've always since I got into ranching, um, I've always been pretty passionate about, about grazing and taking care of the land and doing the best job that I can. Um, it hasn't always been perfect. It's still not, but always having the goal in mind to do better than, than what we're doing before. And every time we get new information, try to keep growing. Of course, and I did a little bit of research on P&W beef and saw that you try to combine you know, old cowboy ways with new technology and all of that fun stuff. And so how do you manage a good combination of old technique and new technique at the same time on your operation? So, so the, the old technique part of this really comes in from, from wanting to be cowboys, wanting to use horses, dogs, taking good care of the cattle when we handle them. Um, it's slower. It's not noisy. We, you know, my real passion is horsemanship and stockmanship. There's nothing more than I love riding a nice horse, handling cattle that have been trained and good dogs. Um, you know, my growing up, I always wanted to be a cowboy and wasn't in a ranching family. My grandpa actually had a rodeo company, but I got a love for animals in that got to where, you know, I, I loved horses growing up my whole life, always wanted to be a cowboy, got into ranching in my mid twenties. Um, and with, you know, progressive rancher, they see the importance in good cattle handling, keeping the stress level low, your vaccines effective, the weight gain goes up. Um, your life is generally better because you're not yelling at people or the cattle. Um, so that, that's really the traditional side of it. Um, doing everything that, as much as we can horseback with animals, keeping four wheelers out of it. But the new age side of things really come into the, the feedlot programs that are tracking feed conversion. It tracks dry matter. It does all the billing. Um, it also does the animal health. There's also another program that we just got for our cow herd called herd tracks. That's going to track how good of a cow we have, how many pounds of beef she's going to raise. The value of beef that's going to be is also going to work all the way back to where it's going to um, tell us how good of a mother she's going to be. Um, track everything for us, so I don't I don't have to try to do it. Um, a lot of stuff that I try to track previous to now, 
you know, ends up being a statistic that I never look at. I'd make a lot of spreadsheets and then do nothing with them. And it's the same, same way with the grazing program. I mean, just at the touch of the button off your cell phone, it'll track head days. It'll help you formulate grazing plans, um, help with the billing. So that's, that's kind of where the new age stuff meets. Um, and then the other, the other new age stuff is just all the information that's out there now, how to graze properly. Um, you know, cattle feeding, um, nutrition, that, that kind of stuff wasn't as readily available as it, as it is now 30 years ago. So you mentioned to me earlier that you're not necessarily a packer. So why don't you take us through the process of what it looks like from farm to finish for your beef? Um, so, so right now we're in Kittitas County and we don't actually have a USDA plant local and there's a lot of them around, or I shouldn't say a lot of them. There's a few of them fairly close to me, but it's hard to get in and it's hard to get a lot of numbers done. Um, so right now I actually make a trek over the mountains to the West side to get cattle processed USDA. Um, and then they butcher it and actually bring it back to me. And the hard part, especially right now, um, is, is just being able to get enough dates to get cattle processed and get it, get it done in a timely manner because everybody is slammed. Of course. And with all of these troubling times going on, how is PNW beef being affected by COVID-19 or have you seen any changes in the demand for beef right now? Oh, absolutely. And so PNW beef um, actually just got our first load of USDA products back to start putting into 25 pound boxes and selling to producers. Um, so I've gotten some hamburger that was going through the pub at Iron Horse, and that's been going on for a little while. Um, and the was to, so I had, you know, 40 animals on feed to finish. And the plan was to see what the cattle were finished like get a, a plan moving forward and kind of slowly let it, let it happen organically. And when all the packing plants um, were having a hard time staying open and keeping up with production and the live cattle market drops, I, I had such a small amount. I didn't have them hedged, um, was actually partnered up with them with some other local ranchers here. And we really just to stay in business needed to sell them. And so we started moving hands and holes. We got a kill date to process um, all the stuff USDA and kind of st started moving forward with that. And I had more, um, more kill dates and cattle that were supposed to be processed and they got so busy. Those dates got pushed out and there's such a demand for halves and holes right now. Um, the eight head that were scheduled to go was going to be on the 24th are all sold. Um, but it's kind of the same thing. Finding a local processor that's going to be able to do a, a half or a whole is kind of a challenge right now as well. So you mentioned um, you're putting your meat in your 25 pound boxes. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your box meat and how that goes out to consumers? So right now, um, it comes back from Heritage in a cooler truck. I've got a big container. Uh, so we got all the meat in there and then five pounds of steak, 10 pounds of roast, 10 pounds of burger. And, and really, it's a lot harder to hit those numbers than what you would think. So 
ends up being a better value because they weigh more than 25 pounds <laughs> when it's when it's all packed up um but the the pub at iron horse is going to help me out being a location where they can local there's not necessarily local people but all the all the meat is being delivered local so it's not getting put on trucks and shipped all over um i'll fill boxes take it to the pub people can go in there during their hours that they're open pick them up yesterday when we had the big run of of everybody coming to pick up i just had them come directly to my my cooler and grab it so um we didn't have 50 people trying to show up at once and had them scheduled you know so no actually nobody really showed up at the same time when we were there so it worked out worked out pretty well awesome all right kyler just one more question before i let you go and get back to shipping out cow calf pears how can we reach you and keep up with P and W beef? Uh, we've got a website that's P and W beef.net. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook and there is a Twitter account, but I don't think we do much on it. So <laughs> probably P and would be the best way. Awesome. All right. Well, Kyler, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us about your operation. You bet. Thanks for having me. Big thanks again to Kyler for being so flexible with me today. He scheduled this interview with me right before he was about to go ship off some cow-calf pears. So I appreciate him being so flexible as I am still learning. Yeah, I hate to tell you, Ashton, but we have technical difficulties all the time on the podcast as we're recording, as we're recording interviews. I mean, there have been multiple times where I've forgotten to hit the record button. So it's just all part of the game. But we uh, certainly appreciate you taking the time to grab that awesome interview for today. Of course. And if you want to check out anything else that we've been doing here at Ag News Daily, you can look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. Fantastic. Well, folks, be sure to check us out over the weekend as you're enjoying, hopefully enjoying your Memorial Day. Just a quick disclaimer here, we will not be having a podcast on Monday since it will be Memorial Day. So enjoy it with your family and friends. Hopefully you get outside, get some warm weather in your neck of the woods. But Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.